Hi, my name is Karen. I'll be reading for you tonight. We've got two readings tonight. The first one is Psalm 138. So I'll give you a minute or two to find it. I will give you thanks with all my heart. I will sing your praise before the heavenly beings. I will bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your constant love and truth. You have exalted your name and your promises above everything else. On the day I called, you answered me. You increased strength within me. All the kings on earth will give you thanks, Lord, when they hear what you have promised. They will sing of the Lord's ways, for the Lord's glory is great. Though the Lord is exalted, he takes note of the humble, but he knows the haughty from a distance. If I walk into the thick of danger, you will preserve my life from the anger of my enemies. You will extend your hand. Your right hand will save me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Lord, your faithful love endures forever. Do not abandon the work of your hands. Um, the second reading we have tonight is Mark 6, 5 to 15. Matthew 6, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> I was just making it interesting for you. <laughs> Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them because your father knows the things you need before you ask him. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honoured as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgotten our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others of their offences, your heavenly father will forgive you yours as well. But if you don't forgive others, your father will not forgive your offences. Thanks, Karen, for reading the Bible to us. And I'm glad it wasn't Mark 6, but, uh, you know, who knows what is in Mark 6 and we, we would have made a go of it. Well, we're actually commencing a little mini-series going over the next four weeks uh, looking at the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples and, um, and although we're not having vision month as it normally is, uh, this prayer uh, does show us kingdom priorities. It shows us the priorities that we need to have as Jesus' followers, uh, the kingdom priorities that we need to have. Uh, now we see this a couple of places in this Lord's Prayer and, and one is in the context. Firstly, the Lord's Prayer starts off not with our priorities or our needs. Uh, the Lord's Prayer commences with God and His rule, God and His authority, God and His kingdom before it looks at us and our needs. And the second uh, reason why that shows kingdom priorities here is that the context in which uh, Jesus is... Uh, speaking against people who, even in their praying, are trying to have their own glory magnified. 
uh, by their own babbling and so on that Jesus speaks of as being uh, hypocritical. So we see this kingdom priorities in uh, this prayer. Of course, the very mention of uh, prayer will send some of us like into a nice, warm, comfortable spot because we know, yes, we can come to God with whatever we, whatever we want, whatever we have to say to him. And he, we know he listens and we know he's powerful to answer. But for many of us, uh, the subject of prayer is going to evoke different feelings, maybe feelings of guilt. You know, I don't pray often enough. I don't play, pray clearly enough. I fall asleep uh, praying. Uh, I'm, I ramble in my prayers. My mind goes, goes everywhere else. Uh, I pray for things and I have prayed for things that just haven't been answered yet. I've been praying for people to come to know Christ and they're still not yet believers. I've been praying for people who were Christians and they've drifted from Jesus and they haven't yet returned. I've been praying for people that are unwell and they're still sick and so on and so on it goes. What's, what's wrong? Maybe you're getting discouraged. But this prayer will refocus, speaking of vision, will refocus our thinking. And the Lord's Prayer, in a sense, is like a window and a mirror at the same time. It's a window through which we look to see the God to whom we are praying. And it's a mirror reflecting back to us our needs uh, that we have. And we'll get to that in future weeks. You'll notice on the screen, intimacy and authority. That's sort of like the big idea of week one. Um, now, I noticed, uh, as I was thinking about this, last week, we were in the book of Genesis, we had four chapters, I think four chapters we were covering, and, and Ryan had two points. Tonight we've got two verses, a little shorter, but somehow I've managed to weasel out four points. So we seem to have the roles reversed, but here we are looking at two, ver two verses. Uh, Our Father in heaven, may your name be honoured as holy. And the four ideas I want to look at is uh, privileged access, loving closeness, unlimited authority and also rightful honour. That's where we're headed. Hopefully we'll be able to get through these quickly. Well, the first idea is that of privileged access that we have and we see in this prayer that Jesus gives his disciples. Now, Jesus is saying, uh, well, it's, we can come as his followers to God as Father and we can call him our Father. Note, the eternal Son of God, who had full access and privilege before his God and Father, says to us, his followers, you can call the same God, who's my Father, you too can call him Father, our Father, our Father. It's a great uh, thing to think about and it's a great leveller because we're all in the same place here we're all on the same level if you've been a christian for one minute if you're a follower of jesus and you've been a follower of jesus for one minute or a hundred years you have the same access to god as father why because that's the prayer that jesus prays and shows us we have access to god uh, that's what paul writes in philippians uh, sorry ephesians chapter 2 where he speaks of the Jews and the Gentiles, which were sort of warring people, he says, you, both of you lot, have access to God by the one Spirit because of the blood of Jesus. It doesn't matter our background, it doesn't matter our race, it doesn't matter our language, it doesn't matter our social status, it doesn't matter our, the job that we have, it doesn't matter how much money we've got in the bank, and it doesn't matter what theological degrees we have, we all have the same access to God as our Father. Why? Because that's what Jesus tells us. 
And we see this just in the first word of this prayer. He, the eternal Son of God, says to his followers, call God our Father. It's amazing privilege that we have. And we know that he can promise this and give this because the Lord Jesus Christ himself came into this world, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. He came so that we who were barred from God's presence because of our rebellion can now come before God's throne. And Jesus has done it. Jesus has made it possible because he died on that cross taking the punishment that we deserve so that we could be forgiven and that we could be made righteous in God's sight and we could have access to God and call him Father. And whoever believes in Jesus, whoever believes in his name, this is what John writes in John chapter 1, whoever receives Jesus, whoever believes in his name, he, that is Jesus, he gave the right to be called children of God. What a great privilege we have, access, calling God Father. It's amazing. Well, we see this privileged access that we have and we can come with great confidence, the writer to the Hebrews says, with great confidence into God's presence because of the blood of Jesus. When Jesus dies and says, it is finished, his work on the cross is done, the temple curtain was torn from top to bottom signifying the access that was once barring us into God's presence was now torn apart and so we can come in. We have a privileged access. And secondly, we have a loving closeness. That's what we see in uh, this uh, verse. We can call God our Father. Father. Now Jesus had the perfect right to call God his Father. Uh, he was the eternal son of God. And also he was what we would call the true son of God, the true Israelite. Now, God in the old covenant, and we were just looking at Genesis, uh, he called a people, a people that neither deserved nor desired him, uh, he called them to make them his. He was, in a sense, their father. And he called them, he made them his, he gave them his commands, but as a son... They didn't treat him as he deserved. They did not, as his son, take on the family likeness that a true son, in a sense, should take on. But Jesus comes and he truly obeyed his father. He is the true son of God. And also, as the Christ, as the Messiah, he was crowned, if you like, anointed, if you like, son of God. So yes, we can understand, Jesus can call God Father, relationally with God the Father from the beginning. But here he says we can call him Father, Father, uh, Dad. Now a lot of people have uh, this idea of God as he's out there somewhere. I don't know where he is, he's out there. I don't know who he is, he's out there. Or maybe he's in that tree. Or maybe he's in that rock. Or maybe he's in that crystal. Or maybe he's somewhere. Maybe he's just in, in me somehow, somewhere. But here Jesus says, no, it's Father. It's a person. He's real. He has a will. He has a mind. He has desires. He has feelings. It's Father. That's whom we're praying to. 
Now, I would understand that many of us have had good fathers, but many, maybe some, maybe many, have had fathers that have fallen short, at least in your eyes and estimation. Some fathers have been terrible in how they've treated you, possibly. There have been abuses, there have been bullying, there have been things that dads have said in the heat of the moment, there have been things that fathers have done and that they should never have done. And I acknowledge that. But you of all people, if you've had a bad father and have struggled with your dad, you of all people know what a good father should be like. And you of all people know the value of what a good father would be because you haven't had one. And God as our heavenly father is one we all can hang on to despite the the failings of our earthly fathers and go, I've got a heavenly father. And we'll see what he is like. Well, he's not a bully. He's not an abuser. He doesn't take advantage. He's not forgetful. He won't lead you this way and that way without any reason or he won't change the rules somehow midstream. He is loving. He is caring. He is a provider. He is a shield. He is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. We see his grace and his compassion right the way through the scriptures. But in some ways, we see it particularly in the Old Testament, where for years and years and years and years, his people ignored him. Those whom he loved treated him as dirt. They rebelled against him, yet he still set his love upon them. Yet he still saved them. Yet he still embraced them. Yet he still welcomed them. Father... The image Jesus gives of Father, one of them, is that he is there with his arms outstretched, waiting to receive us, having come to our senses in in rebelling against him and going, no, I need him, I need forgiveness, and coming back to him. And the image is God is there to welcome, to receive, to give a party and to embrace. God loves, he cares, he shields. And we see it particularly, his love. In in him sending his one and only son into this world to die in your place and mine so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be made right with God, so that we can come into his presence, so that we can enjoy that access so that we can embrace that closeness and so that we can be friends with him. And Jesus gives us not only all of that, but through Jesus' resurrection from the dead, we have before us the eternal life shown in history, God's power and authority, Christ's power and authority over death itself so that that relationship which we start with now will continue for all eternity with our heavenly Father because one day he will call us home to be with him. Life eternal. That's the cry of the human heart 
And here it is. We can know God right now through Jesus. The relationship can start right now. Intimacy with God. Closeness with God. Fellowship with God. Relationship with God. That's why Christ came into the world. He is a loving father. He will not bully or abuse. He doesn't take advantage. He's not unfaithful. He doesn't forget us. He's dependable. He's full of mercy and compassion. And he is a father, a real person. That's who we're praying to. A guy called Richard Koken, in his commentary on the Lord's Prayer, said this, that it's interesting to note how people view the God to whom they're praying. And you can see it in how they pray, he says. The Muslims pray five times a day in ritual of the same uh, order to a distant judge. The Buddhists meditate silently upon their own inner being. Witch doctors summon demonic spirits with ecstatic frenzy. Roman Catholic nuns quietly utter Hail Marys during their, uh, using their rosary beads and or praying to the saints. But Jesus begins this prayer with this astounding word, Father. And sadly, too many of us miss the great treasure that it is to understand and to take hold of this truth that God, the creator of the cosmos, extends to us this beautiful relational opportunity. Call me Dad. And the God and Father to whom we come, well, he is not like our earthly fathers. Our earthly fathers have limitations on time, energy, capacity, wisdom, understanding, money, whatever, you name it. Our earthly dads have limitations and lots of them. Some of us have more limitations than others, but not our heavenly father. There's no limit to his authority. There's boundless and unlimited power. And that's what we see in this prayer. Because it's not just our Father that we can come to God together. Like Jesus, the eternal Son of God, and call him Father. It's not just we have that intimate closeness, Father, but it is that he is our Father in heaven. He's not like our earthly dads with all of their limitations, foibles and shortcomings. He's our Father in heaven. Now, now we, we, we may seem very powerless during this life at many times. I, I know I do. Powerless. Maybe, you know, I think through a lot of bullying and all that type of stuff that seems to be incre increasing. You know, people are, are feeling powerless. Like you can't even sort of talk back to others now, you know, because you know, you'll get 50,000 comments on something that's going to just shut you down. I'm talking about online stuff. I think I know what that means. All of that. It's online, it's computer stuff, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Uh, but yeah, we may feel powerless. We may feel as if we're, we have no defences. We may feel that we're, that we're all you know, alone in what we're thinking. 
But God to whom we come is not only our Father, He's our Father in heaven with unlimited and boundless power. There's nothing outside of His authority. Where will we go? Unless we go to Him. And He knows everything that there is to know about you and everything there is to know about me. That's what verse 8 says in this uh, Matthew chapter 6. Uh, he knows what we need before we even ask him. So he knows everything. Psalm 139 says he knows our thoughts before we even think them. He's the one who knit us together in our mother's womb. He, he knows us, he knows the hairs on our head. He knows we can't go anywhere without him. He's, if we go to the east, he's there. If we go to the west, he's there. If we go up to the heavens, he's there. If we go down to the depths, he's there. He's everywhere. We might have wanted to run from our earthly fathers for whatever reason, and maybe some of us have done, but we can't run from God, and nor do we need to if we come to him, submitting to him as our Father who is in heaven. We can take everything to him. He is the one who is close to the broken-hearted, he hears their cries and he saves them. He is mighty to save. And we can go to him, trusting in his authority, in his unlimited power, knowing that he can do all things. We can, we, we, you know, he can do anything. But we also come to him knowing that he is our father. And as a true father... He knows us and he knows what is best for us. And so we also need to not only trust that he's powerful to do whatever, but we also need to trust that as he, our Father, he will do what is for our ultimate good. So if his, our prayers are answered, no. It's not because he lacks power to do it. But as our Father, I have to trust his fatherly goodness that no is what he is saying and it's best for me ultimately i may not see it i may not understand it it may even hurt but trust his fatherly goodness we must because he is our father he is wise to answer father powerful to save he is our father in heaven so we have privileged access and we have this loving, amazing loving closeness. And because he is unlimited in power and he is our father in heaven, we therefore need to have respectful honour. May your name be honoured as holy. We come to God, our father in heaven, not flippantly or in a thoughtless manner, because he is God, he is the sovereign, we live in his world, he is the creator and sustainer of all, he is the giver of life, he is majestic in authority, he is awesome in power, he is supreme in wisdom, he is complete in his perfections, he is absolute in purity, he is righteous in his justice. He is abundant 
in mercy. He is abounding in steadfast love. He is above all. He is over all. He is who he is. He will be whom he will be. The world does not revolve around me or you, sadly to tell you. The advertising gurus will try otherwise, but the world does not revolve around us. It revolves around him. And as we come to him, our heavenly father, our father in heaven, who is boundless in authority, we come with the rightful respect and awe and honour that is due to him. So the kingdom priorities are starting to bite. It's him first. It's only him. It's all of him. All glory be to him. All honour be to him. All majesty be his. And this prayer begins by reminding us of his kingdom, of his rule, of his authority. May your name be honoured as holy. May his name be set apart as different to us, not common as we are, if that makes sense. May your name, Heavenly Father, be honoured and revered. It is really treating God as he deserves to be treated. And that's how Jesus invites us to pray. We are praying, Lord, may I not drag your name down because God's name and God's character and who God is is all the same. Lord God, may I not drag your name down to my level or worse still, may I not drag your name down to a level below me. May I not drag your name down into the mud. We can do that in so many ways. By professing to follow Jesus and saying, no, I'm just going to live my life however I wish. By saying, yeah, I'll follow Jesus, yeah, I'm going to sleep with whoever I want. Yeah, I'll follow Jesus, now I'm going to mouth off over here. I follow Jesus, let's tell this story. Now, none of us are perfect, that's why we have a Father, thank the Lord God, we have a Father who is gracious and compassionate. But if the kingdom is to be our priority... And if we are to respectfully honour God and his name, then we will be seeking his help to live for him, honouring him as he deserves. Our world is just... I don't know what it is. Is it, is it that the world thinks that they're grown up because they throw Jesus' name around as if it were a punctuation mark? I have no idea. Does the world think I'm going to be cool or I'm going to be famous or I'm going to be, people are going to like me or people are going to laugh at me if I, if I use God's name like an exclamation mark or whatever it happens to be? May it not be for us.
may we rightfully honour God who is our Heavenly Father who's given His Son for us. This prayer is a kingdom priority prayer because it starts with who God is and not me and my needs. It starts with God's sovereign rule and not what I want because it's kingdom focus. And as followers of Jesus, we have a great privilege. We know the Lord God. We can call him Father. He loves us. He's abounding in love. He is awesome in power. There's nothing beyond him. And he invites us to come to him and talk to him. We have a great privilege. So as uh, Luke in his Gospel, from memory chapter 11, where the Lord's Prayer is mentioned there, or the disciples' prayer for the disciples are mentioned, they ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. So may the Lord teach us to pray the kingdom priority prayer. Let me pray as we finish. Heavenly Father, we pray that we might see you as you are, so that we would approach you as we ought. May we acknowledge you for who you are and not merely to thank you for what you give. May we be good ambassadors for you, honouring and revering you in thought and in word and in action. Oh, gracious God, may we delight in the privilege of the access that our Lord Jesus has given for us at huge cost. And may we have a settled joy of knowing that you are our Father in heaven, awesome in power, and that your answers to our prayer are for our good we thank you and we ask these things in the name of Jesus, the one who is our mediator, our go-between, us and you. And we pray this in his name. Amen.